I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on at the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, I emoji, I emoji, I emoji, at Isaac L. Harris. Does that mean, are we going to be on the same team if I do send those I emoji? Emergency pod time, Isaac. As soon as that tweet went out, I said, Isaac, stop your driving. I had like a 14-hour drive today. Pull over somewhere, get your mic out, and let's do an emergency pod. Well, it was so funny because (laughs) I I obviously I'm driving. I have a kid, dog, wife, everybody in the car, and uh, and I'm I don't check my phone, you know, when I'm driving and stuff, and I'm listening to a million podcasts. And I stopped to get gas. And the moment I stopped to get gas, I ch- I checked my Twitter. And I'm going through Twitter, <laughs> and all stuff. And I, the first thing I see is the is the Beverly thing. And then right as soon as I retweeted, Nick texts me and was like, "I guess that Beverly just tweeted it, and everybody's just freaking out about." It. I'm like, "Oh, what a coincidence!" And but then I was so confused, and I have so many questions. <laughs> like, why did he tweet it? Where do we have an? We don't have an explanation at this point. I was waiting for a follow up tweet from him. We have so many questions. We're gonna get into it today. If you didn't see it, if you're not on Twitter, which a lot of our listeners aren't, uh, Patrick Beverly, the free agent guard for the Clippers just tweeted at Luka Doncic or at Luka 7 Doncic with three eye emojis right after it. So lots of questions, obviously very ominous, especially since he's going to be a free agent. The Mavericks have a lot of cap space. We've talked about Patrick Beverly so much. So we're going to talk about that. Also, um, we will get to a draft profile of RJ Barrett. We're continuing our draft profiles like we did last year and the year before. Hilariously, we, this is now our third year doing draft profiles. So, We'll continue to do that, ask the normal questions that we will about R.J. Barrett if the Mavericks get a top four pick, which is, I don't know, 26%. It's a, it's a decent amount of, of time, and it's coming up, man. It's like 10 it's days. next week. It's like nine, 10 days away. Isn't it a week away? Is it the 15th? I thought it was seven days away. This is coming out on a Tuesday. It's next Tuesday night. Gosh. It's coming. So we're trying That's to get crazy. in a lot of these draft profiles, and uh, today we're going to do R.J. Barrett. So... All right, Isaac, before we do that, Rick Carlisle's in Slovenia right now, and he brought Jamal yeah. Mosley with him, the future coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Did, <laughs> Does the him going on this trip hurt or help his chances for the Cavs job? It should help his chances for the Cavs job because it shows that he's dedicated to his players, right? I feel like you yes. would like that, but I think maybe it also shows that he's committed to the Mavericks. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Or maybe he now, just wanted to visit Slovenia and he never had he never had been before. No, I will say this. The Mavericks really, really like Jamal Mosley. The players absolutely love Jamal Mosley. The not ever like players like their assistant coaches, but players really like uh Coach Mosley. And he's a great guy, super nice. Um he's involved with Team USA stuff. Uh yeah, and Nick's referring to he did get an interview with the Cleveland Cavaliers head coaching job right now, but you know they are interviewing. It feels like everyone in the world uh, at the except moment, us. but except us that we know of yet. But 
uh, obviously for his career, I hope he gets a job. Selfishly, I hope he doesn't, yes. that he could stay in <laughs> Dallas uh, because he would. He is one of those up-and-coming young guys that a lot of people love, and we don't know how long Rick's going to do this. So if it is a grooming type of thing in the future, years down the road, if he sticks around. Uh, but Well, we know Rick how, signed that contract extension, so it's not like he's going to be... That's true. Somebody will pluck years. pluck him from from Dallas before that. But so, and uh, what do you think about the idea of Dwight Powell going on this trip? Yeah, I don't mind. Dwight is good friends with a lot of the players on the team. It's kind of like my whole spiel with Mosley. Uh, the Mavericks and um, the coaching staff absolutely love Dwight Powell. Uh, he is the prototypical hard worker personality super smart like that he is the he is a perfect uh rick carlisle player so <laughs> the fact that he has a really good relationship with guys on the team and the mavericks view him as just i think well i think he could be <laughs> he could be our Careful. better version <laughs> i think he could be our better we could look back years from now and he he's our like nick collison you think? Oh man, he could be here that long. That'd be wild. I think, I, I think they just they like him that much, and he fits just the culture and everything that they want in a Maverick. And yeah, he'll be I that, mean, he'll be that old guy that like ten years from now you'll look back and be like, dang, he played with Dirk. <laughs> yeah, it's like dang, he's played for the Mavericks for like eight years now. That's crazy. You know, whatever it is. But I mean, it's anyway. already been what four or five. I don't. Even I think this is gonna this be point. six for him. I was gonna say I know Salah is at four, uh, so it's wild. He came before Salah. It's wild. We're already almost there. Your hypothetical was not even that far <laughs> off. <laughs> That's wild. So yeah, I saw a couple other things. People tweeted at me the, uh, you know, videos of Luca and, and Jamal Mosley and Rick Carlisle. You know, he just wanted to visit and, and see around Slovenia, and uh, said he really liked it. He called it the most beautiful place he's ever visited. Remember, he's going to. <laughs> Um, did he spoke some, or he tried to speak some Croatian, right? Uh, on the video, I, I, I think it was Slovenian, but. Oh, okay. I can't remember. He I said he knew somebody, a couple of things. He knew, he, he this, knew this the, was me driving down the road and checking at gas stations <laughs> that I'm like, and some, I thought somebody tweeted us and said it was in Croatian. So I guess it, it could have been, sense, I, I, I don't know the difference. Somebody. I don't know any words in either language. Um, but he, Drogic. he said he, he knows the phrase play defense. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. He laughed really hard. <laughs> I did see a, uh, I see uh, seen one of his quotes where you know, he told Luca that or he was talking about like Luca's number one goal this off season is to get in like top notch shape, the best the shape best, of his life, the best shape of his life. So I mean that's yeah, it's just you know he he obviously came out and said that. And, does that even we can't even put that on our media day bingo, can we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't because it's just it, it's going to be overused so much. Maybe we have, maybe we'll maybe we'll put it like have to, has to be used five times or by five different people or something. I'm just super curious on what Lucas going to look like on media day. Is he going to be like? Is he going to look the same? Is he going to look like skinny, or is he going to come in and be like you know Giannis transformation? And he's like ripped. <laughs> Lay off the HGH, Luca. <laughs> oh, or will he look like Nerlens? Just come in and. You wasted away. No, he would not look like that. Let's... <laughs> All right, the uh, let's let's move on to the Patrick Beverly emoji. All right, what do we think it means? All right, 
So <laughs> you have your theories. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I have an actual theory. I'm going to throw a wet blanket on this. Patrick Beverly was at was at TNT NBA TV today doing the rounds. Um, Atlanta, the, the same studio that does the TNT guys, you know, the inside the NBA, they do the NBA TV stuff. It's in the same building. So he's doing the rounds. He's doing stuff. And my guess is that he either found out that Luca's going to win rookie of the year and just tweeted him like a, a subtle, like, Hey, you're going to win rookie of the year. Like, Oh, look, watch out for Luka Doncic kind of thing. And he just found out because they're doing the award show is on TNT. So they have that stuff. Uh, and I don't know why he singled out Luca. No clue. My other thought is that he, um, yeah, no, the rookie of the year thing. That's my that's my only real like actual guess for this. <laughs> or uh, he just got wind and uh, he, and through his agent and stuff, the Dallas is really interested and. Uh, <laughs> You read between the lines, and uh, he's he, going to be a Dallas Mavericks. He listened to our Kemba pod and was like, what are these guys saying? I'm going to be the next point guard of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll see. I, yeah, that's a, that's a bigger conversation of what that would look like for Beverly. What If he does come to Dallas, I think it would mean a certain price tag that um, would be up there a little bit to pull him away from the Clippers and just – uh, but we can have that conversation. He seemed real day. locked into the Clippers too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, and we'll see. And he's pulling this move right now that that athletes do, where he's being very complimentary of KD. He's calling him the best player in the world. He's saying he's the hardest player to guard. He's saying all these things now, which are all probably true, and maybe he believes that in his heart of hearts. But I also think he's be- going out of his way to say really nice things about Kevin Durant, who could also be a free agent, who could also sign with the Clippers this summer. Very, very, very valid point. <laughs> very valid point. So there you go. That's our thoughts on the Pat Beverly thing. Uh, if he signs the Mavericks, I still think I still lean towards. I know we did that whole pot about Kemba and why it would be a good thing, but I also still lean towards the idea of signing multiple guys this summer instead of just one big guy. Uh, instead of just doing like instead of just going after the one Kemba guy. Like if we get a Patrick Beverly, a Danny Green, and one other guy. To me, I feel like that's a huge that huge win, and that's the best, most ideal scenario for the Mavericks this this year. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I obviously I think it would depend on who the who the guy was. You know, if they could get Clay Thompson, then you could get Clay Thompson. Um, but yeah, I, I think if it just depends on how much some of these guys are going to cost. You know, if it's Beverly and a couple more guys, and, and you know what that looks like. But and, you could get three guys for ten million each, right? Yeah, true. Right. If you find Beverly, Danny Green, and somebody else worth ten million, yeah, <laughs> Beverly, Danny Green, and Julius Randall. I think Randall get over ten. That's what he thought this summer. True, he got two years and one player option year, under ten. I think they were under nine, both of them. Anyway, so there you go. That's uh, the Patrick Beverly talk. That's Luca and Rick in Slovenia. And uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back. Let's talk about some R.J. Barrett. All right, Isaac. R.J. Barrett, a very polarizing player in this draft, as many small forwards, small scoring small forwards are <laughs> in, in drafts. He's 6'7", with a 6'9", wingspan from Duke. Obviously played the one year there, 202 pounds. He is going to be 19 on draft day. He turns 19 in June, so he's going to be right there. He's from Canada, obviously. Went to Duke. 
He's uh he's mocked around. He's he's pretty much consensus the third pick right now, <laughs> pretty much from from anywhere, anywhere that you look. And uh, some of his strengths and weaknesses. His strengths obviously is scoring. He's he's a good ISO scorer. He's kind of a guy that you know can put on the deck. He can pull up a little bit. Um, scoring guard. He actually passed a lot better than I expected when he came in. Uh, he averaged four point three assists this season, and um, yeah, he's a uh, he. He's kind of like a Jason Tatum esque kind of guy. What do you think? Yeah, about yeah, yeah. I was looking at. I'm glad you brought up Tatum because I was look. I was looking at some of Tatum's uh, stats, like from his rookie year, what he looks like now. Um, I think Tatum was a little bit more advanced than what RJ was uh, when he first came out. But yeah, but we didn't think Tatum was going to be as advanced as he was the first year either. Oh so. yeah, all for sure, very true. Uh, I. RJ has been has been one of those guys that has been coming up, and that's been like the name. And he was he's supposed to you be know, like people, the best player coming out of Canada since you know Andrew yeah, Wiggins since ever. Like I mean, he was regarded as the best you know prospect to come out of Canada. Well, he was and number two, I, right? He was number two up behind Zion. Well, actually, Zion was three, and I, it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking. Oh, I was talking. I was listening to the One Shining podcast today. You talk and, with them. You, you weigh in. <laughs> I love that podcast, and uh, <laughs> they uh, they were talking about that Duke class and how RJ and how Zion was three in that class because they were comparing to Cole Anthony and how Cole's third yeah. in his class and Zion was three and all that stuff. And, um, you know, RJ was the consensus, like one for that class forever. And, and we just heard about this left-handed, you know, kid named Barrett that is coming up through Canada. He national, you know, like all this different stuff in in Canada. And I remember, I guess it was two years ago. I think it was two years ago. I remember sitting in the locker room and talking to Dwight Powell about Barrett. And actually, it wasn't a locker room. It was on a practice court, and it was a uh, it wasn't media day. But anyway, we were we were, st- we're, st- we're all standing it was a around. Thursday, actually, we were at Auntie Anne's. Actually, we were at the mall. Actually. I can like picture it in my head, but it it's not. Like, it wasn't like a normal situation. Actually, we got pretzels. Actually, we got pretzel nuggets. Actually, <laughs> and I remember asking him about RJ, and at that point, he wasn't even you know at Duke or anything. And I was like, "How good is this RJ Barrett kid?" And I just remember Dwight's look on his face, and he was like, "Man, he's really good, like, like good for his age, but past that, like, he just and he just raved on everything he's good at, and you know that was two or three years ago. So now, obviously, that Duke team it was a really weird team, and when you have somebody like Zion, you know, he's like Thanos, like Zion just can be Zion, <laughs> and it doesn't matter who's around him. I think it affected he's like Cam Thor, Captain Marvel." Yeah, yeah, and I think it I think it affected RJ and Cam more than it did Zion. Um, but I, as far as like pure score, if you're telling me in those top five, who's guaranteed? Like if you if you had to put money on somebody right now that could find a perfect situation in that top five and put up, you know, twenty something points a game for you know majority of their career in the league, I would probably pick RJ Barrett. And I just think his his scoring versatility is one of um, one of the best traits as anybody has a trait. If that makes sense, I don't know how the what's the best way to word that. Um, like Zion's athleticism is ten out of ten. I think R.J. Barrett's scoring ability will be could be a ten out of ten in the league. I think that it, he just has some other weaknesses. You know. 
Uh, but anyway, focus on strengths. Yeah. Um, he's a fluid scorer at all levels. He can drive. He can, uh, his outside shot wasn't his, like the percentages didn't favor him a ton, uh, at, at Duke, but they really didn't have a ton of shooting at Duke. It I have a lot of issues. How it's Coach a very K weird team. They didn't. They the didn't team. have shooting, but they had all these great players and two guys that you thought would be really, really good shooters and RJ and Cam Reddish that didn't really end up being that. And uh, first season, obviously, only season, RJ Barrett shot thirty point eight percent from three on six point two attempts per game, which is that's a lot of attempts. Six point two attempts per game. That's kind of the way college is going. But he kind of had to because nobody else on his team was shooting threes. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's the thing. They didn't have a ton of three-point shooters there. And Cam Reddish, um, I don't. He didn't shoot the ball like a lot of people thought he would, you know, at, at Duke. But um, his frame is is a positive too. When you have somebody as a fluid score like him at six seven, you know, two what fifteen, two twenty, uh, over two hundred pounds, uh, with his frame, that's really encouraging. You know, he's a lefty. He, uh, I think he just. He, how he's grown up playing basketball, then to Duke, then to the league, uh, I think depending on the situation, he's going to be able to uh, be a pretty good scorer in the league. And that's his main strength. That's his main thing. Uh, now I have a list of weaknesses uh, that we can definitely go into. Also, <laughs> It's sad when the list of strengths is one thing that is a really, really good thing. And then the list of weaknesses yeah. is just a lot of things. And that one thing is the most important thing in the game of basketball scoring, and the scoring. Yeah. So like it's, it, it's, it's difficult and it plays into our conversation towards the end of this podcast of like his fit with Dallas and all that stuff. But anyway, yeah, let's get into weaknesses. Can you imagine if he goes to Cleveland and it's just him and Colin Sexton just just all the time. No I think else. Colin Sexton's a little bit better of a defender, uh, but but just scoring. It's yeah. just all right. You score now, okay? Now I'm gonna score. Okay, now you score. Right, you go shoot, and then I will go shoot. I will go shoot. Can't really run any actions between the two of us. <laughs> you know, and I I was looking at his synergy stats from la- from uh from last year his his only year at Duke. You know, I read a bunch of Zion's off <clears throat> and how he he was excellent in all these categories. And trying to look at RJ's uh, um, stats, offensive stats, in all the different categories and seeing if d- does he have an excellent category. Um, and they rank him as excellent post-up player, but he only had 23 possessions uh, as a post-up guy. Um, but spot-up shots, 25% of his, of his possessions as an offensive player. Why are you raising your eyebrows? Oh, Curry just hit like a 35-foot three. We're recording this during the middle during of the Rockets game. Warriors right now. So, <laughs> what's the score of the game, Nick? It's eighty-six to eighty, with a minute Who's left up? in the third. Rockets are up. No, I think Rockets probably even up. Anyway, um, he's an average spot-up shooter, and twenty-five percent of his uh, uh, of his offensive possessions last year was on spot-up shots. Two hundred thirty-six possessions, and uh, yeah, he was in forty-ninth percent of college basketball, but. After that transition was twenty three percent of his of his pose- offense possessions, and he was just good in that. So it's literally like average, good, average, good, then below average, below average as off screen cutter. All like he just doesn't have the he didn't have that. Yeah, I think it was a you could definitely say that it was a disappointing freshman season based off what your expectations were. Well, and there's so many expectations for him. I mean, just oh so, for sure, yeah, so many. And the the weaknesses. Turnovers, we have to, to mention. He had 4.3 assists, which we were surprised about, but he also had 3.2 turnovers per game, which is a lot for a guy that's not 
necessarily a point guard and handling the ball all the time. Yes. Um, his shooting six percent from the free throw line. Yeah, the shoot the shooting from the free throw line and from three was kind of disappointing. If he's shooting thirty percent from three from the college three, and then he's going to go to the NBA, it's just you wonder what what a coach like. What if Jamal Mosley's a coach of the Cavs and they get RJ Barrett? What what does he tell him? Hey, just mm. just shoot. I mean, maybe he sees him in training camp and is like, okay, this is going down, but just because he didn't have as much space in college and with with the three closer and you know not as far out as in the nba the space is even more congested because it's a smaller three-point line yeah yeah and on top of that the congested part if mavericks fans got really frustrated with harrison barnes and putting his head down and driving and not passing if you're a duke fan and you watched a lot of duke games this past year then you saw that a decent amount and you're like, Oh crap. I know that feeling uh, because he did get kind of, Hey, head down, uh, kind of like your classic uh, kid growing up. That's a really good score. And it just gets, you know, he's very confident in his, in his scoring. So he just puts his head down and just says, I'm going to be like a bull in the China shop and just get to the basket. And sometimes it results in crazy passes and just crazy shots. Sometimes you're like, Whoa, what are you doing? Uh, he did have a little no, no, no. Yes. Guy and I'm part <laughs> to him uh, with that. But I actually pulled this stat and this was crazy. One of his bigger, biggest weaknesses is he's, he's obviously a lefty. We mentioned that a while ago when he, he, Absolutely loves to drive left, obviously, because he's a lefty. <laughs> but he hardly ever drives right. So on Synergy, <laughs> on Synergy, he has 29 possessions this past year in which he drove left. And he he was ranked excellent. Wait, 29 the, where he went left? Yes, when he went left. 29 possessions when he went left. Four of those, he pulled up for a jumper. Four was a runner. 14 uh, were drives to the basket. He ranked Excellent on drives to the left. Excellent in the 90th percentile at 1.1 points per possession. On drives right, he had 43 possessions. He went right more because people obviously, he got forced right because he was an average, (laughs) he was an average uh, driver to his right. In the 32nd percentile in college love, basketball. Isaac's laughing, breathing after he reads the stat. He just thinks it's ridiculous. He sounded like a at, dog. At, point, at point 0.6 points per possession. Uh, point if 0.6. Is, point 0.6. Point so 0.6 is alarming. If there is, if there's anything to show you that he loves going left and he, he can hardly go right at all, it's that stat right there. Wow, sad. He can't go right at all. Yeah, gonna, are they are people yeah. going to be guarding him like they guard Harden in the playoffs? Yes. Yeah. Well, should. yes. Oh, for sure. That it, people are, day one are going to be saying, "Hey, won't you drive right on me right now?" What does his defensive synergy page look like? Um, I don't have that pulled up right now. That's fine. I can work on it. So, what's our next category? Our next. That's my main thing: is playmaking, shooting. Um. He has a decent amount of weaknesses, but yeah, we've, we've, we've piled on a lot. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about, uh, maybe a little more of his weaknesses. And then, uh, the rest of our categories here, availability, ceiling, floor, future role, why the map should take him and why the map shouldn't take him. All right, Isaac. So availability, it really feels like if you don't get in the top three, you're not going to get RJ Barrett or have a chance at RJ Barrett. It just feels like it's going to be Zion, Ja, RJ Barrett, 
and then RJ and, and Ja in some order. You know, it depends on who gets that number two spot. Yeah, and I, I think I think it'll all be dependent on yeah who gets those spots because I think somebody I, Zion is number one. No matter what team it is, you take Zion and it's done. I think whoever lands it too, it depends on who like like if what if, if kind Atlanta of go, you want. if Atlanta or Cleveland go too, then you're like I don't think they're gonna take Ja. Atlanta more than Cleveland. Uh, just because I think there's a world in which if Cleveland said, you know what, we're going to punt on Colin Sexton because we think John Morant's that good. Kind of pulling Josh Rosen on him. Yeah, yeah. I could see him doing that, and you can't blame him because we think John Morant's going to be really good. I think in the right system, R.J. Barrett can be really good too. So it kind of depends on that's the type. Like if Phoenix lands at two, they're obviously probably going to go John Morant over R.J. Barrett. But like you said, if Atlanta lands at two, do they try to move back? Probably. I think I would try to move back if I was them. But if they land at two and you had to pick between John Morant and R.J. Barrett, you'd go with with R.J. Barrett if you're them. Yeah. So Because you already have Trey Young and all that stuff. So I think people will talk themselves into R.J. I think you do need to land in the top three, maybe four. Not saying because if Dallas or somebody is there, they should take RJ over anybody else. But I think that if you land it two or three, I think the, there will be a team that will talk themselves into RJ and say, you know what? I think this this will be a left-handed Jason Tatum type, and we need to go get that guy. We need a everybody wants a six seven potential twenty yeah. you know plus point game score and all that. So I think somebody will talk themselves into it and move up for him. If, if yeah, we, we piled on all those those weaknesses. But if his scoring ability translates to the NBA like a Jason Tatum's, and if he, and left-handed too, which you know some people say gives you an extra four points a game just because people forget you're left-handed. Yeah. Um, then you then that guy is a guy that you can't play off the floor. I mean, in in the playoffs, it is an invaluable skill to have a guy that is that size that can score in that ability. You'll never get played off the floor in the in the uh, in the playoffs, unless you're just so bad on defense that he can't be played, which I don't think he is. So. No, I don't. No, he's not. No, he's not that at all. And it's not defense isn't my biggest issues with him it's just when he, he does get a little Harrison Barnes Rudy Gayish like with that whole you know not the best playmaking guy like if he comes into the league and averages under three assists his first three seasons in the league I'm not shocked yeah um the ceiling and floor the ceiling for him you could see him as a guy that you know, makes an all-star team like a, like a really high end Rudy gay kind of guy, <laughs> you know, or a, let's see what are, I, I guess we're not doing comps right now, but you can see him making make a couple all-star teams. If he gets that hot, that real high end scoring and he, he's scoring like, you know, 25, 27, because eventually just one player per team is going to get so many opportunities that there's at least one player in every team that's going to score 27. I feel like that's the way that the league is trending right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the same with me. I don't think he's an MVP candidate type guy. I don't think he. Um, I don't even know if he would really be an All NBA type guy. Uh, maybe once or twice. Maybe I. I think he's more. Um, I don't know. He could. I. I should take that back. I. I think his ceiling is an All Star. Yeah, and then the f- with, with with his floor being a Joe Jam- Joe Johnson in Utah type of role. Oh yikes. Like a six-man score off the bench that, you or what say, about like a Gerald in. Green? Yeah, I think you'd be better than Gerald Green. I think his floor is better than Gerald Green, though. Fair. 
Yeah, I think it would. Yeah, it would just be a, like a six-seven um, score off the bench that you would say, "Come in, get buckets. Let's run the offense through you, Jeff Green." Yeah. <laughs> change my change the greens up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually have a, I have a few other names to throw at you. Yeah, give me some might. more comps because we did the Jason Tatum one, who did the Rudy Gay one, the Harrison Barnes one. Okay, so um, I think best case scenario. Let's do best case, and then I'll give you a couple realistic ones. Maybe best case a Demar Derozan type. Interesting. Um, a bigger D'Angelo Russell. Weird. They're both they're both lefties. I could see him having that type of thing. Uh, I don't think he, he's nowhere. This is obviously best best case scenario, and he's not there defensively. But Paul George, that you would, like that. If I'm him, that's what I want to shoot for. You know. Yeah. Uh, but he's not there defensively. Here's here's three random names that I could see in some uh see shades of. Antoine Jameson. Interesting. Okay. Danny Granger. Yeah. I could see that one. And Mavericks great. Oh. Josh Howard. Interesting. I wonder what he thinks about the flag. <laughs> Josh Howard. Uh Therefore, well, I don't want to go into too much Josh Howard history. With I mean, we could. I love Josh Howard, but uh, for instance, look at some of Josh Howard's best years. Uh, like for instance, the 07, 08 you know season in which Josh Howard averaged right at twenty points a game and two assists on thirty one percent from three point line. I could see that stat line from RJ Barrett. Interesting. He's got to play with a Dirk though. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> that type of yeah. Josh Howard, Danny Granger, Antoine Jameson, best case scenario, DeMar DeRozan type. If the Mavs were in that that spot, let's say they get to three, let's say that Phoenix is at two, and they take you know they take John Morant, and then R.J. Barrett is right there. If the Mavericks take him, then future role in the team, what does that kind of impact? Do you think that they would bring him off the bench? Do you think that they would have to start him? What if they didn't, if they did not trade out of the pick, I really think that they would and trade. They, yeah, the pick. they just couldn't trade out of it. And they didn't trade, and they took him, and they were confident in it, and they're like, "Hey, this is who we want." Press set the press conference up now. Mm-hmm. Then I think that their goal, and they love to make an, they love to make these symbolism analogies uh, to the past. That's our Finley. That's our Finley. And that that would that would be their type of thing in saying, hey, we have our our like they've said, our Nash and Dirk, and RJ could be our our Michael Finley to go with them. And I think that would be the the route that they would take if they're sold on that. And yeah, I, I a roster impact. I think at that point you don't go out and pursue somebody like a Tobias Harris or a Kimball Walker because. RJ is not the lockdown defender, and I think you would have to treat him as that. Uh, I don't think I would bring RJ off the bench. I don't know. I don't know. I guess they could. I guess you could just approach everything like you would and just bring RJ off the bench. It depends on what be... other free agency you got. If you got three guys that are, you know, like that, that that scenario that I mentioned earlier where you get three guys that are defensive-minded guys, you know. Yeah. You get Let's say you get like Ed Davis – uh, Danny Green and Patrick Beverly. You get all three of those guys, and you're paying them a decent amount each. Then you probably have to start all those guys. You probably gave them some kind of assurances <laughs> yeah. at some point in the draft pro- or in the uh, free agent process. And so you, you bring RJ off the bench. RJ Brunson, Dorian, 
Dwight Powell, Maxi. If they took him and they didn't go out and get a free agent, it would slow down the, uh, for lack of a better term, process a little bit. Because you would have to, I think you would have to wait for RJ to catch up a little bit to Luka and KP. The, I think the Celtics said the same thing. True. Valid point. Tatum. Yeah. So we just, we don't know. Uh, it would obviously cut into cap space too. That's just something we, we mentioned if they did true. take him at two or three, cut into cap. This summer. Because you have to pay the draft pick. <laughs> Just because he's not a rookie scale, you still have to pay him, which we forget about sometimes. The um why the Mavs should take him. Let's just I was gonna hey, real quick, second round uh, pairing, we've always we've just We've talked about wings. Would so you, you just keep you just take a wing no matter who you take if yeah. you get that first pick? But if you get a wing, I would, with the first pick. I would say if you did get RJ Barrett, I would entertain Daniel Gafford more with that second round pick if he's still there at 37 but anyway springy uh big man that was projected lottery pick last year decided to come back school and like all that stuff so uh, at that point i could i would take it i could i could see myself taking a chance out i would lean towards just taking another wink but anyway keep going so let's finish with why the maps should take him they should take him because if they if they're up there let's say that like the same scenario they get the second or the third pick and you're saying okay Let's just get another scorer guy. Let's get a, let's get another guy that we think, you know, can be a big time scorer. They see the upside. They say, all right, we have Luca, and then we have our counter is RJ, and he just does different things that Luca doesn't do. And you can't get enough scoring. And we just see the potential of this, you know, Nash, Dirk, Finley mold. If they just get, if they fall so in love with that idea, and they think that RJ can be that kind of guy, and they see the scoring, and they really just want. You know, another scorer like that. Because Mavericks don't have that. I mean, a lot of people were pushing back about the Kemba thing. And were saying, well, why don't we get somebody else that doesn't have the same kind of, you know, uh, abilities as Luka. And, you know, can can be a scorer and a facilitator and all that stuff. Why do, why do they have to get another one of those? The Mavericks don't have any of those. They have one. <laughs> they have one of those guys. Yes. And kind of J.J. Barea, but he's injured. Especially when J.J. Barea went down. It right. was very obvious. It was very apparent that we're... we're trusting Tim Hardaway Jr. to, you know, run possessions for the, for the Mavericks. And Jalen Brunson did very well, but Jalen Brunson is not that guy, especially if you want to be a playoff team. And you need multiple guys that can score. You're seeing in the playoffs right now, in the second round, you're, it's becoming more and more apparent that you need these guys that can just step up and score in really tight spaces and can score on an elite level. And R.J. Barrett can probably do that in the NBA. Maybe not day one, but he's going to be able to do it eventually. And for the ceiling of this Mavericks team, to add another guy like that would be be crazy and that's why you should take him if they're there yeah i i would like to know uh, how they really felt about the harrison and experience and the yeah the harrison and luca experience was the harrison thing was dumping him to sacramento more obviously it was about cap but was it just about cap or was it about cap space and fit too to where they're like man we just can't have another guy that is not a a particular big playmaker, but is just a score alongside Luca. We need some, uh, you know, more to whoever's going to run alongside Luca on the wing. And if they think RJ is going to be a better version of that, then I, sure that why the Mavs should take him. If you think his ceiling is a Paul George, if you think that he can hit that Michael Finley, Paul George type thing, he can play defense. He can be, he can fulfill that role as the secondary type of score on the wing alongside Luca. Uh, if you think all of that, 
then that's why they should take him, I guess. I, I, I just, yeah, anyway. That's the reason. I mean, if, if, they, yes. if you really want to convince yourself into a reason, that would be it. The reason why they shouldn't is, is kind of obvious because of the Harrison Barnes, you know, the Harrison Barnes experiment. You don't want another guy that's going to take the ball away from Luka and KP. You don't want a guy that's going to do that and probably do it inefficiently in his first season. He's yes. probably not going to end up being Jason Tatum his first year. Um, we didn't expect Jason Tatum to be Jason Tatum his first season. Um, we expected him to be more like what Harrison Barnes was. And you you can do so many other things with that pick. <laughs> like we mentioned, if they don't trade it, then maybe they take RJ. Maybe they take John Morant. I, I think I would rather have John Morant than RJ Barrett. Given the given the different given the option of the two, man, it's it's super hard. Um, I mean, I'll stand true to what I said about a month ago. I would take DeAndre Hunter over both of them if I'm <laughs> Dallas, uh, just because. Yeah. So why the Mavericks shouldn't take him, and it's it's kind of a similar thing to John Morant. I think both of them will be very good players in the league. But where Dallas is at right now, they want to push for the playoff. They want to be a playoff team next year. And you have your two cornerstone pieces and Luka and Porzingis. You have the cap space. And that's why I really I really believe if they land two through four that they'll be trading the pick at some point. And somebody will move up and give you a Luka Doncic type thing to get RJ or John Morant. And I, th- I just think it, at this point, you do got to figure out about fit and – yeah, I'm not confident in the R.J. Barrett fit in Dallas. And the idea of three young guys with this high-scoring ability is tantalizing. You can you can look at it and say, ooh, that, that'd be exciting to get all those guys on the same timeline. But I don't know if they're on the same timeline. You have Kristaps Porzingis yeah. coming off his injury, and we see him as this young guy because he's only going to be 24. But he's also he's been an all-star already. He's been in this league for you know now, what, four years? He's been around. He's been in situations. And Luka Doncic came in and was as NBA ready as any player, maybe since LeBron, <laughs> I mean, seriously, just coming into the NBA and being able to, to play right away. He's on a different timeline than a, than a rookie player would be. And I don't know if RJ Barrett would be on the, he'd be way behind those two guys. So are you going to have the patience to do, de- to deal with his development? Right. That's the thing. And that's you mentioned the bench type of thing. I, yeah. Because if he comes in as a starter, then you are pushing the process back and your expectations back. But if you bring him in and say, hey, you're going to be a bench guy, but even the bench guy, are you going to be able to properly develop him getting 15 to 18 minutes a night? And are you going to be able to bring a third overall pick or a second overall pick off, you know, off the bench his first year? That That's the type of thing. If that's why I lean towards a DeAndre Hunter or Jarrett Culver because I think you could bring I think or Brandon Clark I think those guys are NBA ready to where you could bring them off the bench and get 10 to 15 minutes and I think you know what you're gonna get and you can the grooming that they're gonna take I think would be a lot easier uh, for a, a, a playoff type of team like Dallas wants to be next year to where if you have RJ Barrett to where if he goes to somewhere like Chicago or a different team to where they're going to give him opportunity to figure out who he is as a player. Absolutely. That's where we are. That's how we feel about RJ Barrett. Let us know if you feel differently. Tweet us at locked on Mavs at Nick Van Exit at Isaac L Harris guys. Let us know what you think about it. And uh, as always, I emojis to everyone out there at everyone. And I emojis. Thanks so much for listening to locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.